I don't know if anybody knows this, but like the biggest reason we're one of the top accounts is. Zach King. 20 million subscribers on YouTube. Yeah, on TikTok. He has 65 million followers. So many people are out there saying social media is oversaturated. How do you come up with new ideas? Every video starts with the same process. People are always surprised when they find out I don't edit the videos myself. What number do you think somebody would have to give you to sell your studio? Uh, 500 million. I'd probably take that deal. Can we actually see how much you've made off of TikTok and compare that to YouTube shorts? We're going to start some beef here. Total. Oh my God. You're very good at what you do. Hey guys, before we get into this episode, here's a quick 60 second word from our sponsor HubSpot. So this summer, we all want to spend less time sitting at our desk and more time soaking up the sun and enjoying other activities. And if you're a marketer or entrepreneur, it all starts with bringing AI powered tools like HubSpot CRM into your workflow. The latest research says that employees who use AI are actually cutting time spent on manual tasks in half. I'm talking about five to 2.5 hours a day. That adds up to almost four weeks a year. And with HubSpot's AI powered tools, you can work smarter, not harder by streamlining how you do business from research to strategy to content creation and optimization. Chatspot and Content Assistant are baked right into your HubSpot CRM, so you can whip up reports, get copy inspiration, pull data summaries, and much more just with a simple chat command. So tap into HubSpot to stop staring at your screen and start enjoying your summer PTO. Learn more and get started today at HubSpot.com. All right, now back to the episode. Zach, thanks for having us over, man. Yeah, thanks for coming over, John. I can't help but notice that's your desk behind us yes. where you come up with a lot of ideas. Yep. And I think it's been 14 years, 600 videos at last count over that you've produced yes. and over 20 billion views. Yes. And I can tell you that number is way higher, actually. So that's only um, some video. That What is that? An Instagram stat, maybe? The Instagram, um, YouTube, and TikTok. I think across. we've done the math of our archive of the short six second to 30 second or one minute videos, we've done like over 3000 now. I, I think when I see that number, what blows my mind the most, Zach, is that so many people are out there saying every idea has been done. Yeah. Social media is oversaturated. Yet here you are coming up with new ideas that are just getting better and better. So how do you come up with new ideas and what's your creative process? Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I thought too. Like uh, I remember being on the Ellen show and the next day, my buddy and I, who were writing a lot of the concepts, were like super bummed out because we were like, at that point, we had made like 80 to 100 videos. Mm. And I was a couple months into Vine. And at the time, I was making one a day, like minimum for the first month or two. Mm. Um, so I was already like tapping, I thought, tapping out of the ideas. Like I thought the well was running dry. <laughs> like I always thought for years, it was like this mystical muse mm. would pop down while I'm playing <laughs> table tennis and give me an idea. And that's kind of how for a little bit we ran the studio, like when we were first getting our, our first couple employees, we'd like have this massive warehouse and we're like, well, let's go play. Let's do Nerf. Let's do go-karts and, and ideas will pop out as we go. And that's true. Like a lot of great ideas came out of that. We'd be go-karting and be like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if like you could do this while you're, you know, and it's like, there's some of that, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, it's just about sitting down and doing the work. And, uh, so that's, that's the new mindset for us over the last couple of years is building a process mm -hmm. around ideas and getting to not just like any idea, but to your better ideas, like mm -hmm. how do you find and whittle down to those? What did that brainstorming process look like when you started for every aspiring creator out there? It's like, I can't come up with new ideas or I'm hitting a wall. Like how does Zach King do it? When I started my YouTube channel around 2008, um, I was in college and I had some roommates and I would just spitball them the ideas. But I ultimately found these two guys, Andrew and Mark, who were um, on my team for a long time. Andrew's still on the team after like 10 years. Wow. And um, we just would collaborate 
on Mondays and it was unofficial. Like they were freelancers. We were doing it gig based. It was, I think it was like at the time, probably like a hundred bucks an idea. Mm-hmm. And if we end up making it, you get paid kind of thing. Like, Oh wow. So there's a bonus was, to it. It was like really ran- It was like early, you know, there was no formal uh, agreement of employment. It was just, Hey, do you want to uh, like come up with some ideas and we'll see if like they're vine videos. Mm. I've learned now, like how to dog Like, so what our Mondays looks like currently is mm. at one o'clock we go through everybody's ideas and like mm. everybody comes to the table with a concept whether you're in like you know the meeting you're in somebody from finance is there some uh, an assistance in there like it's not we don't have a writer's room but I consider like at least for the work that we do anyone can have a great idea mm. um, but it doesn't start as a great idea I think that's like the hang up how do you recommend somebody who's like you know I'm not a creative they might tell themselves like how do they come up with those ideas to then get feedback on them. I feel like I, per- I, I personally love prompts. Hmm. So uh, whether it's like, Hey, we're going to be talking about holidays or we're going to be talking about um, going underwater or going to space. Um, I, I like to have a theme Yeah. Um, or let's do, I mean, we were talking out there like, what if, what would it look like if Wes Anderson uh, directed my TikToks? Yeah. I thought that was the best one. Yeah. And yeah. So like there was a good pulse yeah, on yeah, that, yeah, yeah. but I think with that idea um, I would just, ruminate like 20 ideas based on that like west to me Wes anderson does uh he's iconic for some of his train shots mm. from his dolly shots um his framing so i build like different stories based on those mm. um those three and then just keep going like list it when you mention prompts i can't help but think about ai yeah and everything going on right now with chat gbt yep. google launching bard uh, how much do you use ai tools in your brainstorming process i love it for images like i will not make any um t-shirt images by myself anymore mm. I will always use some version of AI. What what is a T sheet for those? So T sheet, I think, is like a Duncan Wardle term, but it's essentially like picture, um, or you could throw up a graphic. It's mm-hmm. an eight and a half by eleven paper with a T written across, and then you've got a synopsis on one side and a picture on the other, and a title on the top. Mm. And that's just to help all kinds of learners. You have people who read. You have people that just for me, a visual learner, I see like an image and I get the concept. Mm. Uh, a little easier. And then you also come up with like that memorable top line title that is almost like, it's not YouTube title ready, but it's just to give you an essence. And sometimes it's very memorable. Mm. So that gives us a big display. And so the images is what I'm talking about. We will take them and throw them into AI. Mm. I was doing this concept, like I'm a terrible artist, like Mm. by hand. So I wanted to like display this concept where I'm, you know, topiaries are like giant gardens, the giant sculptures, they do like of elephants or like like giraffes, like they often have them at zoos. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do a concept with that. And I I could never draw that in a million years, but I, the team got, I just wrote, I think I wrote an AI, like (laughs) me, uh, an Asian guy trimming a topiary elephant. Mm. And it like comes up with this really cool. And that was like pretty much the final design of our, of our CGI model that we ended up building. Oh wow! So, I mean, it's, it's cool to help like imagine Mm. the ideas and bring them to life. And I always think the quicker you can get somebody on your team to have buy into the idea and visualize it, the faster you can move those projects off the ground. Mm. It's oftentimes like, there'll be great ideas that I'll hear a year later. And I'm like, why didn't I not hear that? And they're like, we pitched this like five times in the meeting. Mm. And then all of a sudden when we saw this one image, it was like, that's the idea. Like I get it now. I thought it'd be interesting, Zach, to take us through, you mentioned prompts, like ideas, like to show you a video of yours, it did really well. Yeah. And if you could take us through, like how did that come from concept sure. to fruition? Great. All right. So this is an Amazon video. I'm in my room packing for a trip magically pop off my clothes. <laughs> and I tell Amazon, um, the Alexa device, take me, I can't remember the word, but I say, take me on a vacation, tropical vacation. 
and the room fills up with water, real water. It's crazy. There's fish. There's a stingray. Um, and I'm thinking about how many hours it took just to get that stingray in the video. Rotoscope there. Um, that video started with, like every video really starts with the same process, but we call it the idea dump. And so when I'm talking to my team about like, this is, this is the kind of brainstorm you don't go in with any creative work done. Mm. You're just sitting down. I'm with you for the first time saying, hey, John, we're trying to brainstorm for Amazon. This is their prompt. Mm. And their prompt was, um, you know, have Alexa do something magical, like fictional, that it is not possible. Mm. You know, everybody can use Alexa to um, start a timer or send uh, a voice, you know, like it's yeah. not one of those utilities. It's do something like absolutely out of this world fictional. So we were, we start with the idea dump and we literally like, we'll do at least a hundred ideas before we even move on out of wow. that stage. Um, so we'll put them on a wall, usually about an hour session. We'll have a solid hundred, 150 ideas. Hmm. And then we do a little pulse session and the hmm. pulse is like not a popularity contest on who had the best idea or anything, but everybody gets one or two sticky votes hmm. to put on the wall or on the jam board, uh, a little smiley face of which one is their favorite. And like, that's just to get a gauge of like what idea is actually resonating mm. with the team. Even today, like it, it usually happens where like somebody gets a concept will get four or five votes yeah. out of all of them. And you're like, and sometimes I don't see it. I'm like, I don't get why, like I voted on a different one. Why yeah. is this one? And we'll come back and we'll just question people uh, of like, what about that? Like, let's get really specific. Is mm. it the setting that you like? Is it the character? Mm. Is it because you can imagine them in this wardrobe or is it actually the trick? Is it the illusion? Mm. And it's usually not the illusion. It's usually story. Mm. It's usually something that um, the common one is the team's like, oh, I've waited in a line uh, a lot this week. And so like I'm thinking about traffic. Mm. So like that idea is interesting and it's human and it's it's very relatable. And so those usually are the best stories that just people can go immediately grasp on. Mm. Um, We've seen the audience also just they you get them. If you're a human, universally, a lot of these themes that we play on are understood. And so we kind of, we'll go with that concept. And the hard part is like, we'll have producers in the room at that point, but we tell them like, you're a writer right now. We're not, we're building up the idea. We're not a producer. We're not thinking about the budget. Obviously, I mean, there is an element where like, we have different tiers for our budgets. We say there's an A tier. And that way you do have to have a general like, okay, on C tier, you're going to have one camera person, Mm -hmm two PAs and you're going to have four hours to shoot it. So like, you know, your limitations Mm. for each budget range, you kind of do work within those a little bit, but at that point we start whittling down our favorite things about those one or two ideas that Mm. came to life in that one, in the Amazon one, we talked about, it was like, we liked the idea that it could transport you not to just another dry land, but actually underwater. Mm. And we had talked about me being scuba diver for a while, Mm. but we noticed that the viewers like drop out if I'm covered in a mask Mm. or they can't like identify Yeah, if you were in like full on scuba gear, they wouldn't be able to identify this exact king video if you saw it in their feed. Or if I have gray hair. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so we decided to make me a free diver with like really small goggles Mm. um, that were clear so you could see me. And then, but we still liked the uh, scuba diver outfit. We thought that was like super iconic. that, That old class classic one from Tintin that I remember you'd go down and walk on the bottom of the ocean, yeah. the metal helmet. So we were like, how could we get that involved? And we figured out, well, like, it's so simple. Like Alexa is round. So like that could be the shape of the helmet when it starts mm. floating too. Yeah. There's um, like a reveal moment in the video. Yeah. There's a reveal. Turns, Alexa turns into the scuba diver. Yeah. And that's also great because Amazon's happy that their character, their yeah, it's personified. Is personified. So uh, it was a win-win. And then in the next stage, when we got to like that idea of what we loved, 
then it's just figuring out logistics of how to make it happen. Yeah. Going back through it. So you have the prompts, people, uh, then the pulse is like people voting. Yeah. And at that point, like everybody in the room is not exactly thinking about cost yet. Right. You're just thinking about the best idea. Yeah. I when, mean, there's probably people thinking about it, but they're, yeah, not, yeah. they're not allowed to talk about it yet. Yeah. When, <laughs> when does the yes and mode end? When does the plus oneing of an idea After end? the refinement. So we, After we the try refinement. to get, yeah, because you still, there's going to be another batch of like production, a lot yeah. of production refinement later. Yeah. But the idea refinement, we're trying to get at like, what is the heart of the idea that we really like? Mm. Uh, and if if money was endless, what how would we do? What would we do for that idea? Yeah, because obviously then you'll have a reality check later, right? And start pulling a lot of things. Interesting. Um, so I mean, like one of the things uh, that we wanted to have was that that look. You know, water when you're underwater, um, there's a dispersion of light that hits you. Uh, but we realized that would cost like an extra 20 grand to yeah. get. And so like, there's obvious things is you just have to cut to do it. But, and that's, that's probably the worst example to give because that also had a high production budget to make. Yeah. How much did that cost to make? Multi- six figures. Six figures. Yeah. To make that video because we had to sink a set and over a pool, um, Oh, wow. Like, I thought like for dunk. some reason all the water was brought in afterwards. And that is real water. You're getting real water. Into- yes. Yeah. So what we, there's a mix of CG water in there. Yeah. Um, the filling, because the idea was we were, we had a camera, a scuba diver, uh, going down with the set yeah. and me, but the, the set didn't go down in six seconds. Like we had, <laughs> we had been told it, we told, they told us, it would. <laughs> but no, when you practice, that's like a production thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took like two minutes to go down because it was wow. barely hitting the walls of the, this guy's pool, mm. like a dive pool. And so we realized I had to just jump cut, jump cut basically. So I stayed there for two minutes at a breath hold, wait for everyone to get set. Mm. We ghost it, reline. And then, but the middle is like elements of the water, CG, you know, uh, simulation. Another thing, Zach, I was really blown away by, by just like studying your work is that you save room on production day when you're shooting for another 10% push to try to make the videos more creative. Yeah. Uh, what, what does that mean? Like, what, what does that mean? Like when you get the shot, then you're like, okay, like let's take a break and let's try to make it even better. Like yeah. t- t- take me through the improv that happens on the day of the shoot after you've done all the brainstorming, the setup, you've paid for an expensive set in this case. Like how do you make sure that on that day you get the most creative piece of work possible? Yeah, the 10% is something I really love it and it makes some of our videos the most special. And if we look at the most viral videos we've done too in terms of viewership, like it was always the ones that we plus 10%. Hmm. And and what's cool is like anybody watching this can do the 10% on yeah. their concepts even by themselves. Yeah. Um, I just happen to do it, you know, with the couple people that are on set with me, but it's essentially when we start getting after we've blocked and even shot, like usually we like to get a take that we call is our like backup safety. Hmm. It's the take that we, we probably will use if we, if we stopped filming right now, um, we're maybe on average, we're like 30 takes in by that point, but then we question the material and it's like, okay, so we've been doing the same camera motion the same time. Why are we going this way? Is there anything else we'd want to see? But we ask, like, what is the extra 10%? Like, what's going to make this more watchable or mm-hmm. even better or funnier if we're going for a punchline to land? You could ask that on your on your, your show. Yeah, I was just thinking about I go in if I'm doing, like, an explainer video and I go in with a script. Then I'm like, all right, let me knock down the points that I think are going to make this video really good. Then I'm going to ad lib. Yeah. Then I'm going to add to it. Then I'm going to try a different intros. So yeah. I have a version of that, but it's interesting to see that Where you did labeled it. the idea, when did the, um, you do the segment where you draw their income. Yeah. To me, that feels like that came out of adding an extra 10% question, like asking like, there's something we could do here that's not just saying it, 
Yeah. But like showing it that that's a 10%. Totally. And it was it just coming up, like people would talk about their income in different ways. And then I'm a visual. Yeah. Thinker, you're like, like I, I can't break this down. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I need a visual for this. And I love like the kindergarten aspect of drawing and like, you yes. know, bring out the markers. What's an example of how you've done that for long form? Because I think a lot of these ideas, mm-hmm. Zach, like make a lot of sense for short form. Right. Like you're planning the beats. But I thought it was really interesting. You had a video that you put up where you won a Mr. Beast challenge. Mm-hmm. You got a million dollars. Right. And then you made your own video where you gave away those million dollars. Right. But what I found was fascinating when I was doing research for this is that you said you planned the beats of that video before you filmed it. Right. What does that mean? Like how you went and filmed like a fake video or a rough draft video to like, because I, I thought that was so interesting because it's a spontaneous type of video. You're giving away money. Yeah. You have contests. Like, but at the same time, you even were able to pre-produce and plan that how, how did that work? Yeah, we do on YouTube. We don't do as much of the mock-ups all the way through for that, like unscripted bits, mm-hmm. but there is, I mean, everything is, it's completely scripted, yeah. um, but like not the contestants portion, of course, but all of the course. rules and like the transitions, especially yeah. we think we're going to say, and we get so oh, many alts that we do for the editor for each transition in that video. There was at least 10 ways we said the line that, huh. that we had written out that Luke, um, the YouTube producer, he'll just say off camera to me and I'll repeat the line and huh. we'll go through the list and he'll check, he'll cross them off. We had shot like versions of the intro because mm. we wanted to know what's catchier and I'll go around on the phone and we'll show teams like alt one, you'll get alt two, alt three. And then we'll see if like there's a, there's any like people saying two is really good and we'll go on that. And we'll oh, you'll record that. those on your yeah, phone. Yeah. So I'll be like in this video, we're going to be whatever it is. Oh. Um, we're trying to do one for that magic of the month of this, this film. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're trying to like, parse out how do we tell the audience that this is a film competition that at the end of this they're going to see celebrity judges and in the middle there's going to be some crazy physical challenges Mm. that'll be interesting to watch Mm. how do we say that in a sentence or two and do it in like six seconds or five seconds probably what have you found works versus doesn't to me i'm really new in the youtube game like i started a youtube creator left youtube to go do vine and like I love it's come full circle for me. Yeah. Um, now I'm I feel like I'm I'm watching your show <laughs> because I'm trying to learn about YouTube. I'm trying to figure so I haven't figured that out yet. Mm. But I the biggest thing is like figuring out what's your audience expects. It's mm. funny, there's some things I want to do on YouTube that just I love doing as a filmmaker, but honestly, I think the channel's too big for it mm. that I'm gonna have to create a separate channel to go make it like to me, it's a show and you're programming for, and I think you've talked to this about this with creators, like they, they have an expectation and they're going to come back for that over and mm-hmm. over. Yeah. And uh, so I want, I think I might have to create like the channel is just too big right now. Mm. I saw that Mr. Beast was recently offered over a billion dollars for somebody to buy out his business Dang. and channels. Yeah. What number do you think somebody would have to give you to sell your studio? A lot lower than that. <laughs> probably. Um, I don't know. So what would that, I'm trying to, think out loud what that would look like like what they would do with it is it mean the library of content it's hard when it's tied to your like likeness sure like i I view zach on the channel as a character yes he's like a more personified energetic version of me but i'd half that price yeah so if anyone watching uh, 500 million i'd probably take that deal i think it's a perfect transition we have a segment on the show called draw your income What's the first way that you make income as a creator? All right. So the first way, which, I mean, this pie is going to be really easy for me to divide. I don't know if it's accurate, but let's say this is 80%. 80% is going to come from ish. I mean, these are rough numbers. Yeah, yeah. Draw it in. Um, draw it in. Yeah, color it in. What do you think 80% is, John? Production. 
like people like brands who hire you to do work and sponsor brand deals like not, yeah yeah, yeah not non-personal content yeah yeah correct yeah these are like um like really Amazon like, ad yes I would put in here yes are you correct. also grouping stuff that you're not in this is maybe like the pure production without me so what is that let's 10 percent production maybe this is 70 percent um I like when people have you seen the videos where you guess your height and everyone no. always over, overestimates their height. Oh, yeah. And they actually pull out the measuring, and it's like <laughs> inches below. Do you see the one where people rate how good they think they look? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's probably like this. I'm overestimated, though. Yeah. Um, and then, um, I mean, a small sliver, on, honestly, like, I think we only make like 20000 a month on AdSense. Mm. So it's, what is that? Oh, I'm going to say 5%. It's mm. very tiny. Yeah. And then, like, winning, or you, that, use it winning YouTube competitions... YouTube. <laughs> is currently actually pretty high. Are you serious? Well, yeah. Uh, I won a table tennis competition and oh, Mr. Yeah. Beast. You won Airax table tennis yeah, competition. Yeah, and then I won the hide and seek thing. And then you won Mr. Beast hide and seek. Wow. So, I mean, at that point, that's that's a percent of the, the year's budget. Wow. Uh, no, it's funny because we won the million dollars from Mr. Beast, but I think we spent like uh, 20% of that or 20% additional just to make the videos about giving it away. Oh, like, wow. I mean, it was expensive to give it away. Yeah. Um. It was like we were all joking. It's a curse to win. <laughs> it's more work. The production budget of the so, video, was yeah, uh, yeah, because we did two or two actually. So, wow. it costs a lot to give money away nowadays. Wow. This line is probably TikTok and uh, shorts. Zach, can we actually see how much you've made off of TikTok and compare that to YouTube Shorts? You want to see the? I will show you the. Um, so we've never revealed the TikTok Creator Fund numbers. Um, I know for a while back when Hank Green was going off on him, I like wanted to, but I just never, I was like, eh, it's not really, usually like stray away from talking about the money unless it's helpful. Hmm. How much do you think we've made on, on TikTok? This is since whatever, whenever the program started. started. Um, so maybe two, this is definitely two years worth of data. And like, I think like a couple billion views. Yeah. My guess on that, because like as more people joined, the payouts got less. So I feel like my guess would be totally off. I want to say over six figures. Yeah, I, I, I would think it's like way over that, but it's total. $49 today. Uh, no, um, that's today's. That's today. There you go. $53,019.58. I don't even check anymore. Um, it's been a few months because, I mean, I got to preface this too, wow. like, out of context, that number is for a lot of people. That's it's, it's a lot, number. a lot, a lot. I'll say that, lot. but course, um, for a creator, the, I think the issue is like for it makes me sad. For I mean, we're getting billions of views for the creator that's getting, yeah, trying to even get like a percent of that the viewership. I mean, there's just no no living from that, yeah. And so it makes you have to get brand deals, um, which is fine. It's great to partner with brands, but it's a lot of work. Uh, so it's just less. That's when you actually start hiring to hire a team yeah. to do that, and then it's more management. But yeah, it's free. so YouTube, YouTube shorts. shorts. Is there a specific anal? Let's see. I just saw it the other day. Um, you could filter by shorts monetization. Uh, do you want to? Do you want to do it? Sure. Okay. Since shorts monetization launched, you made seven thousand nine hundred dollars and thirty-five yeah. cents. That's two months of YouTube. Yes. Shorts. Yes. Yes. So payout. I haven't done the math on that, but it's way better ratio. Um, that is for. Can I read the view count? Yeah. 537.8 million yeah. views. So nice. Five, uh, roughly 540 million views. Yeah. That's RPM of two cents. So much higher payout. Yeah. That's, that's, that's gonna, 
I don't know. I wow. Do you feel comfortable sharing your other metrics, like your overall like AdSense? Oh yeah, sure. If you can find them. Oh wow. Yeah, go for it. go for it. In the past twenty eight days, you made twenty eight k. Yeah. Overall, nice. that's that's a that's a high. That's a high month. Like, yeah, that's a high month. So in the past ninety days, you've made sixty nine thousand dollars off of YouTube AdSense. Right. How many views is that? That's for six hundred ninety six million views. Right. I don't know what your take is on advertisers joining shorts and if it's is it full like do you think they're barely monetizing that feed because it'd be hard for them to get i mean aren't they getting like five fifty billion views a day or what's, yeah what's- I, I think it's two things one i remember when i was at youtube and we launched other ad formats for long form like mid-roll and post-roll mm-hmm. it took a while for the advertiser teams to go out there and sell that inventory right. yeah so my prediction is that payouts for shorts are going to go way up yeah that's because- what i would think and then, and then you have to think like Google is, and, and YouTube is getting very savvy at bundling ad packages. Right. Um, they're going to sell a bunch of those together in shorts feed in long form. So I think a lot of creators, I see, I see the Twitter threads. I'm like, oh my God, my payouts on shorts are low. I'm yeah. like, they'll go up. Yeah. Maybe it won't be life-changing money, but it'll be more meaningful than the other platforms. I think sure. even if you look through the subscribers that you're getting, like oh, there's yeah, a yeah. value to that, a huge value over time. Yeah. If they stick around for retention, that's what I'm just not sure if they are. Yeah. But I, I think for the longest time they were separate and that's why you saw a lot of people have two channels. I think you had right. a we have short yeah. channel, but I actually deliberately like took a break from uploading long form and just focused on shorts. And then I started putting out more long form and I saw we had returning viewers and I was like, where are those returning viewers coming from? Yeah. Shorts. From shorts. And it's because, you know, it's in YouTube's, if you think about it, it's just in their interest to try to merge right. the recommendations so that people are housing all their content, live, shorts, community posts. Have you guys form. found a certain cadence that works? Like we have a whole library of videos, mm-hmm. like, you know, the 3000 yeah, yeah. that we can pull from could kind of do like endless shorts. Is it like right now I'm posting once a week-ish, mm-hmm. maybe if that, I kind of wait for them to, I don't know if it's a real theory. I haven't tested it, <laughs> but I kind of wait like, I always get scared on any platform to post anything else. Like if something is just killing it, yeah. I just wait. I just mm. let it go because mm. it usually tapers. What's your cadence right now? Once every seven to 10 days on shorts. On shorts. Yeah. How do you think about long form and shorts on your channel? Right now it's a production capacity thing. Mm. So we're just building the YouTube channel kind of from scratch. Yeah. Um, trying to go with one a week, uh, one a month. Yeah. At minimum. One long form, long form video. I'd rather, I'd rather like, I love the Mark Rober approach or what yeah. it seems like he's doing, which is just make a great video. And it's fine if it comes out once every, he's doing more once a month now, but, yeah. um, in, for in the past, it was like every four months, every six months. Yeah. And, but it was a banger video. Yeah. And so like, I'd rather do that. Yeah. I think, I think about cadence that is be- best. I, I kind of, I kind of think about it as a 28 day rule. Like I think about like, people come back to your channel based on their past viewing history, mm-hmm. right? Unless they're actively searching out, which definitely happens. And so if you're getting your videos like recommended to people in the past 28 days, that could be from your library. Yep. But chances are, if you're a new channel up and coming, you have to have stuff within that month. Right. And more often than not, more than one touch point. So for me, we're trying to like upload at least like one of this like show, whether it's like an interview or like an ex YouTube employee explains, which is another one of our formats once every two weeks. Okay. And then we try to have two to three shorts in between then. Okay. And those are like things that I could batch produce and yeah. put out. And Would you, I mean, have you seen anybody kill it with like going every, should I be going shorts every day, one a day? We did for the longest time. Have you noticed any numbers? Like Big did, it, did it, everyone just do really well or was it obvious? Was the system at all saying like, up oh, posting too much? Yeah, I'll push out one for you or 
every four videos? No, I felt like it compounded. Okay. Because another reason is like, I'm a big believer in like, think about shorts as mini episodes. And yeah. so when we go out, I did that creator versus celebrity one where like I go on the street, like put like a picture of Tom Cruise and Mr. Beast and literally yep. ask people, do you know these two people? Yeah. And people know Mr. Beast, but not Tom Cruise or vice right. versa. So we did about 20 of those. And so people who started watching one, two, three, I think YouTube started recommending them to go down a rabbit hole yep. to watch the whole show uh -huh. of these mini episodes. And how, how did you categorize it as a show? Just just the format. Got it. The format is, like, it's a program. Got it. It's it's like the smallest but version But nothing of it. about, there's no playlist or any title that's like episode two, episode three. Um, At um, the end of every short, I would have a teaser for the next one. Okay. Oh, smart. Yeah. So I would say, okay, uh, Mr. Beast versus Tom Cruise, like 30, 40 seconds. And then at the end, okay, next one coming up, Logan Paul versus Tom Hanks. Nice. And then people would, it would be subscribed to watch. And I think the Mr. Beast one and Tom Cruise has 40 million. And- Tom Hanks and Logan Paul is maybe 30 million. Wow. I feel like the Stranded series, these short films that you've put out on YouTube are a culmination of so many of these skills. Yeah. Tell us why did you decide to make this short film? Because it seems like the biggest budget production you've put out on social media in yeah. terms of videos. Tell us for folks who may not have watched it, what is it? And uh, why are you now making a third one? So we went down to years ago, um, me and uh, and some of my team went down to Jakarta for a speaking gig. Mm -hmm. And so um, we went there, we wrote a little seven page script. Mm -hmm. It was like, I go in a computer on a treasure hunt and end up getting stuck with my friend and we can't get out. And so hence the title stranded, yeah. but we meet a pirate and on that Island. And really the key is like finding people who have ownership over the projects. Hmm. Like I, I have a, a lot to do on my plate yeah. and I've, I love directing, but can't always direct even on our short films they take this directing is a huge task mm. and producing so we uh have josh fapp on the team yeah uh one of my director producers and it was like he took ownership of the project he loved the story i mean he was like interested in a, a second one so we started working on that and then we made the third one and it's Wait, cool. which by the way if i could pick a bone with uh that thing because i think you do this so well you give ownership to other people on your team to other people who are part of your creative process one thing that for the life of me just drives me crazy is when creators want to grow but they're not like they they, they hold their creative process too close hmm. um well, i don't I, mean to call i, uh, I did that for years uh, yeah I, you're calling out i well, i don't mean to call out graham stefan but uh, i found it so fascinating that oh. in that interview they're talking about like like he was interviewing you about trying to grow and, you know the thought i had in my back of my head i think so many creators have is like oh i'm the only one that can do this or i'm like i'm the only one to know when to cut because that's my style i know he's looking at you <laughs> yeah Interesting. why is it so hard to let go uh because i'm worried that that's like that's that's the personality of the channel is that at least for the main channel is that everything is done by me yeah that once you start outsourcing things and trying to streamline things you just you lose that feel and like he has a very small team i credit him for running lean but i find that there's so many things that like if you delegate and you scale like you can still have personality even with a bigger team but I what, love, what do you th what do you I think i love graham we're gonna start some beef here uh, <laughs> I think some people are just built wired differently, mm. like in that it's not enjoyable to them. Huh. And knowing uh, Graham a little bit, like I think he's just not his MO, like he's not interested in managing that, like doesn't need to think about that, yeah. managing people. Like it is uh, one of the thoughts over the years as I built a team like that had come back in the first probably six, seven years of building and uh, having employees was like, I'd come home and I'd, I'd talk to my wife and I'd be like, I really don't want to do this anymore. Like mm. I want to do it alone. I don't mm -hmm. want to do it with people. It's there's management stuff that like is it's anything that's not related to filmmaking yeah. or like the art of it. Yeah. 
and business, the business is fun, but like, there's just other things you're like HR issue or whatever. Like, and I just, it's like, it's draining. Yeah. But over the years now, I'm like, I, I love having a team because it really is like extra leverage. Mm. It's, you can do so much more once you figure out some of those like management techniques mm. or, mm. uh, you kind of get a, get work with the system. I think that's why it's like, I can't be prescriptive. Yeah. Like everybody has a version that makes them, you know, Kevin Perry is a good friend of mine Yeah, and uh, he's an incredible creator. And I, like, I am blown away by how he makes everything pretty much, I think by himself. Hmm. Um, or I know by himself for the most part, um, his wife will jump in and help <laughs> here and there. But like, he's like a, a, a creator, solo creator. Like he is, hmm. uh, the king of that. And, and he, I think he's openly talked about on Twitter. Like he just was, he had tried to build a team and because of the pressure of like everyone's doing it and that's the way it's done. I think there's a, a ton of people um, who don't need a team mm. who can do it by themselves and because they'll find more joy in it. Mm. Like there, there, I am nervous of saying like, Hey, you, you should get a team because like, for example, I've never had an assistant and everybody I met is like, Oh, you never had an assistant. Like you mm. have to have, how have you not had an assistant for 15 years? And I was like, I've had, I've tried versions of it. And I just don't like it. Mm. Like I, 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 I don't know. It's just not, doesn't vibe for me. And so I'm definitely being under efficient there mm. for sure. I know that, but I just don't think I would function. Totally hear that. I mean, trying to be a solo creator, you don't want to manage. Like, I think that's the reason why a lot of folks get into it just for the yeah. artistic side of it. But it seems like you've been able to stay on the artistic side while hiring people to do the other stuff, or you've been able to bring people on that allow you to be more creative. Yeah. How did you get over that hurdle? Hey guys, real quick word from our sponsor and then we'll get back to this episode. So Another Bite is a podcast hosted by John Dick, Jory Monroe, and Ariel Boswell and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals and the podcast network that this show is in. And each week I wanted to shout out this other show because they break down episodes of everyone's favorite business television show, Shark Tank, offering their unique thoughts, spin-off companies, critiques, and even they talk with some of the folks who pitched the sharks. And live to tell the tale so you could learn from them. From squatty potties to mench on a bench and everything in between, Another Bite takes a fresh look at some of your favorite episodes and more importantly, answers what these entrepreneurs are up to now. In fact, I recently listened to an episode called When to Generalize versus When to Niche Down, where they covered pitches from companies like The Cooler, Squirrel Boss, and Hampton Adams. And I especially enjoy where they spoke about the pros and cons of niching down your target audience versus keeping it broad, even with the risk of alienating your core demo. So if you like Shark Tank, Another Another Bite is a great podcast, so check it out. And now back to our episode. The only hiring rule we have is we'll ask the team, like, is this person better than you? And it's a weird question to ask because they're like, am I fi- am I going to get fired after <laughs> you hire them? Um, but, like, they, they have to be, like, in the case of Josh, like, he's way better, like, managing bigger projects than I am. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to be brought on for that. He has a way better vision for those. And he can manage himself for six months on the project, you know, yeah. me barely checking in. Yeah, That's the leverage that we're looking for and like, the kind of partnerships. I don't mean to pick on Graham, but it's just such an interesting topic because I think as the creator economy matures, there's a lot more people who are trying to grow. And um, and I think one of the things that impresses me most about you, Zach, is that you're bringing a Hollywood level production to a lot of the things you're doing here on YouTube. And going back to Stranded, I'm curious, what are the things that you may have learned from different Hollywood experiences you've had? I know you're on The Amazing Race. Yeah. I saw your IMDb, you have a credit on Zootopia. Yeah. You've worked with a lot of big celebrities. Like, What are some of the things that maybe you've learn from Hollywood or traditional media that you've adopted to your process that enables you and your team to be more creative? I learned a lot from Lord and Miller who Mm. did the Lego movies. I mean, they've done a bunch of stuff, but, um, when I toured their, their studio a couple years ago, they were in the process of the Lego movie and what had worked for them 
was doing the previs, like just like animated films mm. and even Pixar seeing their studios, they write the film several times mm. and can see the film in different visualizations, animatics, storyboards. And so that's what I try to do with YouTube or with a lot of our shorts is everything we've seen it three times. It looks bad, mm. um, but it's changed each iteration. And it's so important. Like for us, 80% of the work is done in in pre-production but i had the creative control thing that I, I think you were like alluding to which is i thought for a while i had to be the only editor yeah and so people are always surprised when they find out i don't like edit the videos myself like i'm always in after effects every day doing something right but just to test the technique or uh but not for our main videos it's it's to like guide the development of the next thing right and uh so that's really fun but yeah like there was once the moment i got an editor I was like, hey, so this is my technique. And um, like, I'm probably the only one that really does this. And they're like, oh, I know how to do that. <laughs> I'm like, okay, uh, do you all know how to do that? And of course, like, yeah, everybody knows how to do that. It's, it's There's no secrets here. There's no intellectual property on that. Yeah. Is there other ways you've trained folks or like as you start like bringing on, maybe like a creator brings on the first like person on their team, like how do you make sure that they're, your personality like stays true in that content or whatever you make as your team gets bigger. We do a six months. So like we always test somebody. We bring in a freelancer. They don't even know they're being tested. Hmm. We'll just, after six months, if they're doing awesome, we can hire them. Because you after six months, you've done a lot of projects with them. Yeah. And so that should give you a good gauge. Um, you might have even traveled with them somewhere and been like, hey, they handled stress great. Yeah. Um, so bring on that person. Yeah, it's a great note. It's like, you know, don't feel pressure to bring them on full time on day one. Yeah. Just try. Yeah, that's out. a mistake for sure. Like and, and firing takes way more work than hiring to undo that. So mm. I would and it's a it's a morale it's a morale for me too. Like it sucks to fire people. Yeah. So I would just make sure you hire right the first time. I also saw a speech you gave where you're like, you know, be real is happening like a few months ago um, or now six, seven months ago. And you're like, you know, I'm this is a total disruption to my day, but yeah. I'm gonna do a be real every day for six months. Right. I did. Why, why do you do that? You're a busy guy. You have things that are working for you. Well, that's how I found Vine. Hmm. Like that's how I found, um, even, uh, TikTok. And I, I think the biggest reason, and I don't know if anybody knows this, but like the biggest reason we're one of the top accounts is just cause we got a head start. Hmm. Like by the time it was rebrand musically was rebranded. I think we already had like 24 or 25 million subscribers. Wow. And that's just a huge head start. And by the time it gained popularity in like 2018, it was like, it was just hard to the account was so big. Yeah. So at first movers advantage like really applies. And so I'll try every single app that comes out that feels like it has something creatively that excites me. Yeah. I think like what's fun right now for me is playing with um, even Twitter threads. I actually think there's going to probably be in the future, like some version of um, a Twitter creator that like, I'm, I'm shocked there's maybe there are people, mm. but I think you could do a lot with just being a great photographer and being a great writer mm. pairing those two yeah and it's fascinating from having worked at youtube and instagram on the platform side like i remember whenever we launch a new feature we're looking for champions of yeah. people who are using it like yeah. doing interesting things with it highlight them highlight them highlight like feature. like work with them like you know there's there's so many partner managers that are yeah. trying to get feedback from the engineering team just yeah. the access and the exposure right um, is so different in those early days yeah. than later on. And then I always think about, because I had a moment like that where I went all in on Clubhouse right. uh, when that was a thing. Yep. And I thought about, okay, Clubhouse, not many people go on it today, but the skills I learned there, the relationships, all of those are transferable. Even if the platform fails, you've made something interesting that mm. maybe you can take and and still enjoy later, or put it somewhere else. Or, yeah. or, or you just learn skills while doing it. Zach, what do you think is the most underappreciated video you've made? I thought it was genius and I still love it. 
but I, I don't know. I have a theory. I am always nervous of creators that are like, Oh, I have a theory about shadow banning, <laughs> but I do. Um, we made a video about gas prices back when they were like getting to eight, eight dollars ish uh-huh. on like the premium side, uh, here in California. And so I made a video that I was like, one, it was edited super well. The horse one? Yes. Yeah. It goes from a horse and it turns to a, bu- or it goes from a car, a G-Wagon, which yeah. I thought was funny, to like a horse wagon buggy kind of thing. And it like wraps around perfectly. I never leave shot. It was really hard to do. And I think it got like, th- I want to say like three or six million views mm. after the course of a year. Like that video to me was a super banger. That should be a hundred million views. Mm. And I think it's because I, I'd be so curious if, if if ever like in the next year gas prices go crazy again mm. or there's a political way. Um, I think it's because we mentioned gas prices and mm. they were trying to stop the gas conversation. Uh, uh, I don't know. That's my theory because that video was great. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm off on the story. No, no. I, I thought it was, it was very relatable. What's the most expensive video you've made to date? Oh, expensive. Oh, um, as a as a full production budget for yeah. sure, stranded three. How much was it? About two fifty. Well, I mean, there's a bunch of overage. Wow. So how many months uh, did that take to produce? I, I think we're probably close to three something. I had worked with Terry Crews a couple years ago because mm. he plays uh, one of the characters in it, and uh, we had done a, a Vine together, and I had met his son, a super cool um, artist, and we were just like, it was a good time making that video, and we reached out like years later, and I was like, hey, would you ever like be in a like a YouTube video. <laughs> and, uh, cause we know he kind of likes to experiment with stuff. Yeah. And when he said yes, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, and didn't expect that because my, my thing is like when we shoot a celebrity, um, out for a short film, yeah. usually we have them for like, it could be two hours. It could be, I mean, four hours. I think we had Zachary Levi for the Shazam thing yeah, for yeah. five hours. It's really pretty sh- And that's hard. If you come from like film production, mm you're doing that was 44 shots or something that's a lot uh, of shooting usually yeah. you, you take like on a feature you take like a week and a half two weeks to shoot that mm. and so it's really fast and what we decided to do with terry was like we we're like maybe we can ask for like four days <laughs> and we got it wow and we're like we should have asked for more <laughs> um but we got four days and and but it was i was like every time we went to their team and terry we we're like they're gonna say no after this because it'd be like hey you might have to come in for a wardrobe fitting because like we don't want to fit, we can't fit you out there. Right, right. And he's like, sure, I'll come over. <laughs> oh man. You know, it'd be kind of cool to read the script together. It's like, cool, we'll do a part of the wardrobe fitting. Oh, wow. And then uh the hard one though, it the strand of three takes place in the desert. And so the closest shooting desert for us that we chose was Glamis, which is like six and a half hours away. Hmm. And there's nothing there. Like hmm. we'd have to camp. Hmm. Um, it's an hour from the city. So we were like, and can we drive? Like, can you meet us six hours away and he's like sure wow I'll, I'll come out i also think it's fascinating i read that you give yourself a salary from your own company why is that because i feel like that almost caps how much you can make as a creator and you're one of the fastest growing one of the biggest out there it's just easier uh i don't have to think about the numbers i don't know i've been i've been doing that for so long um we just created a salary probably nine years ago hmm. and i created it based on like i don't want to get too comfortable in life and I think doing like a percent, if I take like a certain percent of the business every year, it's just complicated or I might take on projects that I don't need to do, but that's just easier for accounting. So I run, we run the business based on like my salary, just like every other employee is in the books. So we know the burn rate every month Interesting. and it's, it's just easier to manage versus like, for it. yeah, it helps play into the nine to five thing. Honestly, mm-hmm. like I feel like I'm an employee here. Obviously I'm like the owner of the business, but I just want to like show up to work and make awesome stuff. 
and go home, be with my family. And so we try to implement that. It's like, that's like the guiding light. I don't want someone to join the team and be like, you told us nine to five, but we've been working a lot. Mm. There's, there are seasons yeah. like where we do, you know, I don't do all nighters anymore, but we'll, we'll do like a really late export or, you know, I still post everything to the channels. You so do. I wake up at 5 a.m. to do that. Or, wow. Can I ask you a more personal question? Sure. Yeah, go for it. I, I told you I'm about to become a dad. Yeah. And Congratulations. Thank you, man. That's so exciting. Thank you, man. I mean, all credit to my wife. And, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I'm a bit nervous because like, I, I, I'm like, I want to be as present of a dad as possible. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as a creator, it's hard to clock out. How did you like set up boundaries or how do you recommend, because I think it's not just if you're going to be a dad, it's something like people have like, you know, um, friends or like, you know, uh, um, significant others, like, like being a creator can be all consuming and can sacrifice those relationships. How do you create boundaries in your life to be a, a present dad, a present husband, you know, a present friend? Like how, how do you go about doing that? What advice do you have? Uh, what, oh, the, oh, like, I'll let you know when I figure out most of it <laughs> <laughs> at the end of my life. But the one thing that helps me a lot is I just get distracted with, um, and like a lot of times, uh, less patient with my kids, mm. uh, and, and Rachel, if I'm on my phone and I'm answering work, cause then it feels like they're nagging me uh. versus, and like, I don't need to answer that email right then. Yeah. Or if I did, I'll just we just have a rule. I'll step in my office, shut the door or just, I'll let her know like, Hey, I have five minutes of, I got to wrap up emails or mm. sometimes I'll come home and just go through the side gate mm. into my office. Um, so my kids don't know I'm home yet. So they're not huh. like, you know, wanting to play with me while I'm trying to answer the mm. last three emails of the day. Mm. It's not the physical barrier is interesting. Like it's almost when you cross the threshold. Yeah. When, like when I walk, office. literally walk into the, on the carpet yeah. in the living room, it's playtime. Yeah. The kids want to play. They will not want to hear you know, they, my kids do pretty well, actually. I will be like, hey, guys, I have to answer your email. And they'll, like, oh. <laughs> and they'll just sit there and wait like five minutes. And they're like, you said five minutes. <laughs> they'll like set a timer on Alexa. Yeah. Alexa, set a timer oh, really? for five minutes for dad. <laughs> so, yeah, they'll hold me to it. That, 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 that's amazing. And in yeah. some ways, I imagine like playing with your kids may unlock new ideas. Oh, it's it's like, I don't, it's like not even for mining great ideas, which they do have, but it's their imagination. What's cool is that they're in yes and, mm. and you realize I felt guilty too. I was like, why? I'm the one saying no. Huh. Like my kid this morning was building a race car out of a cardboard box and had a little steering wheel and he wanted to tape it there. And I was like, well, I can tell you right now the <laughs> steering wheel is wood. It's going to fall off. I have no tape that's strong enough. Mm. Even if you want to use my gaff tape, like guaranteed when you go outside and push the, it's going to fall off. So like, you don't want to do that. Plus it doesn't turn. And I'm like, what am I why am I shutting down his idea? Like, yeah, I should go get tape and he should learn that it's not going to do that. And then he'll come up with a new like idea. And just like, they have these rabbit trails that honestly, like the one thing, just go with it. Bring it home, Zach. I think one of the things I've noticed about your work is that there are roots in old Hollywood throughout it all. Mm, yeah. And I've prepared a few clips from Buster Keaton. Oh, I love Buster. And I noticed that he does so many jump cuts that are reminiscent yes. of what you're doing today. So I just wanted you to play the clip and talk to me about how that's inspired you and what does the future of filmmaker look like? Um, this is a classic. He's teleporting through movies uh, on the big screen. The thing I, th I always wanted him to do in this one is walk out of the screen. <laughs> um, I don't think he does it here. Yeah, it's so good. This is so good. Um, we share all these clips internally. Really? Um, every once in a while. But I love Buster Keaton. Um, I studied him little after Vine because I would notice comments from pro probably older people who mm. were like, hey, your work, it looks like Buster Keaton. Or mm. like they pull out a Charlie Chaplin thing. 
um, or a, a George Melies is a big one. There's a famous one where they're walking and there it looks like he's with a girl with an umbrella. And when she turns to the side, it's actually a horse and the dress is hanging off the back of the horse and the umbrella is attached to the horse. Mm, yeah. Or um, we did a video referencing Buster at the back of the car mm. and the car drives off and I'm on the tire and that's one of his gags. But we just added the mat. It's like, how do you 10% that or 50% yeah. it? And we made the tire like a little um, sewer grate that I could go into and teleport away from the scene. So. It's fun to reference those because for sure the young generation does not know no. who that is. I get that a little bit from Austin Cleon, Steal Like an Artist. Yeah, yeah. Like take ref you take references and uh I'm glad people I'm glad you picked that out. Those are those are fun. Yeah. Where do you think this is gonna go? If this is maybe the first era, you're the second era, what does this next era look like with AI? Like you're using 3D printing, like you're using so many new technologies to yeah. further storytelling. Where do you think it's going to go if we sit down again in five, 10 years? For me, I think I'm going to be still pretty practical. I love the idea that you can touch props, that you can see them, that you mm. can interact with them. And I, I love the, like the James Cameron blend of them. Mm. You know, he says like, have a CG shot, shot, but then go to practical, but then go to a mix of like miniature plus CG and then go back and then you repeat mm -hmm. it. So that, you're, that it's too, uh, it's a quick cycle. So the audience can't have time. They don't have time to pick it out Yeah. Um, by the time they're onto the next shot. And so they're watching that. And so I love that, just the overall illusion mm -hmm. in filmmaking. Um, that's fun to me. And so I, I, I was inspired by like all the ETs and Jurassic Park and mm -hmm. seeing those images of like Steven with, the alien, you know, and, and messing with, and like, and so the actor seeing them for, and nowadays it feels like it's half like a green screen morph suit person. Yeah. Um, or a tennis ball or something. Which is different. Yeah. But I love, I love trying to like stay close to that practical because it just gives the actors a little more to work with. What percent and, of your work is camera. practical? If you had a, give uh, a like 90%. Wow. Almost everything is very practical. Um, and the remaining ten percent is VFX, the stuff you do. I mean, there's most. there's VFX in everything, but yeah. it's like a lot of um, it's a little bit unglamorous VFX sometimes because yeah. it's like cleanup, yeah, of maybe a C stand Got or it. you know like, um, but or a cleanup of a hole in the wall or something. But it's it, it's we try like if we're doing fire, we try to do it for real. If we're doing water, it's like as much as possible is real. Yeah. With the Amazon thing, we tried to like do a drive for wet is what they call it. And so like you bring in fog into the room, you waft it, you do shimmering lights mm. and um, you light them for like underwater. And then we were going to key it or something or blue screen it. Oh, so it's faking water. It's faking without it. You'd be on wires. You'd be floating. But oh. we just like, after we tested that, it, you know, like water interacts in so many ways with your clothing and yeah. your skin and the hairs of your skin. And so like all that, and there's distortion underwater. So we just, when possible, and when budget allows, and oftentimes it's funny, we end up for anything that we've tried to do all in CG costs just as much to do pretty much real fire hmm. uh, or post fire huh. as it does like the real thing. So that's that's one reason. Like VFX, it adds up on either side. Yeah, it's so fascinating to see what you've done. I can't wait to see what you'll do both in your personal and professional life. And just thank you for being an inspiration to me and so many other creators. Yeah, thanks Amazing. for being here. Of course, that's a wrap on Zach. That's a wrap. Thank, thank you, John. You, buddy. All right, if you made it this far, hit that follow button because I think you're going to love our next episode and leave a review. It only takes a few seconds. You don't even have to write anything, but if you want, drop in your social handle and you'd be surprised at how many times I DM folks, say hi, see how it can help out because ultimately meeting you guys and helping you guys is why I started this. I'll see you next time.